Hey, Osiris listeners. We want to tell you about our friends at Sunset Lake CBD who support this show. Sunset Lake CBD is a Vermont hemp farm crafting affordable CBD products designed to help with sleep and stress without breaking the bank. If you haven't tried CBD before, take it from me, it's a game changer. I use Sunset Lake's tincture every night before I go to bed, helping me get solid, restful sleep. And their gummies are great for daytime. Check out their new Good Vibes gummies, which have just a bit of hemp-derived THC to help you relax and unwind. Sunset Lake CBD crafts products with hemp grown on their family farm and ships them directly to customers. They have tinctures, salves, edibles, coffee, smokables, and even pet products. By the way, their CBD chocolate fudge is awesome. Check them out today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use coupon code TIME for 20% off all products. Sunset Lake CBD, farmer-owned, Vermont-grown. Hey, Mike, I I can't see clearly. Is that a lightning bolt on your shirt? You're damn right it is, Otil. This is Section 119. Hey guys, we just got our hands on some great new gear from an officially licensed partner of the Grateful Dead, Section 119. Oh yeah, Section 119. They sent me a pair of board shorts. They're actually really cool. I actually uh, wore them on stage and uh, they were really comfortable. You know, I live in board shorts in Florida, so that's kind of my jam. And uh, these have a cool print on them. Bertha's on there and the roses and stuff. I really like them. I got one of the performance polos with the Grateful Dead bolt embroidered in the chest. It's super stretchy, and I love the way it feels when I'm on stage wearing it. I feel like I'm representing the dead and rocking out some jokes in style. Section 119 was started by a couple of fans who wanted more than a lot tea to show their appreciation for the Grateful Dead. They started an apparel line that has everything you can imagine to represent the band at every occasion. And not just the dead, they've got some amazing fish duds as well. From button downs with dancing bears all over it, to board shorts with super vibrant prints and donuts all over your shirts and socks, they've got something for every fan for any occasion. If you're looking for more than a t-shirt to celebrate the Grateful Dead, the folks at Section 119 make the highest quality apparel. Boogie on over to Section119.com and use code COMESATIME. That's all one word, comes a time, for 15% off your next purchase. Hey, this is Oteal. If you're liking what you're hearing, head on over to patreon.com forward slash comes a time pod and get your bus pass for an extra episode every week. Welcome back to another episode of Comes a Time. That crystal clear gentleman next to me is Oteal. And that's soon to, be, <laughs> soon to be crystal clear, gentlemen, <laughs> to the other side is Mike. Yeah, Man, we leveled up here. <laughs> yeah, you did. Boy, oh boy. I you bought myself fantastic. an early Christmas present. Well, Woo. you know, I'm shooting stuff from my app. and uh, God, that's um, so clear. Yeah, uh, Jimmy Rector, our, who's the wizard behind my app, is uh, like, yeah, man, I, check this out. I was just like, oh. We went straight to Best Buy. <laughs> yeah. I was like, well, why didn't I do this before? So, yeah. Yeah. And right. for those of you that watched the episodes, uh, go back to the Victor Wooten episode. And that was like mind-blowingly clear. And this is, I yeah. mean, you're, it's the exact, it's wild yeah. how clear you are. You look good. Figured out how um, to do it a little bit cheaper than that. But <laughs> but yeah, we had the uh, our buddies, the Wood Brothers on, Oliver man. and Chris Wood at uh just another great talk, you know, 
they're just remarkable. I love those guys so much. And uh, we have lots of history. You know, you have history with MMW. I I've, go I've, back a long way with them and with Oliver, with who has history with Colonel Bruce and Atlanta history. And there, there was some type of like uh, it's almost like a starter pack or something growing up in the music that I love, and it was like you know, MMW was kind of like a. Uh, I, I, as far back as I can remember with the fish stuff and with the, I remember seeing somebody yeah. wearing a t-shirt with that, with their logo. That logo. Yeah. That, yeah. And it was kind of like, Ooh, what's that? And then hearing them and, and, you know, just avant-garde explore, explorative jazz and a go-go that they did with Modest with Schofield is yeah. quite possibly one of the best albums I think ever. And, and uh, I've seen them live a million times watching them is like watching alchemists concoct potions on state like it's just wild what they're doing billy martin's playing just inventing drums like putting two things together and you know it's just wild how how important they were early on and to be able to see them in like close clubs like toad's place and things like that was really uh great so to chat with them and 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 wood brothers is a whole other thing so it's it, it's yeah really when they met to- jono and but yeah. that whole had the brothers come back together after it's a very similar story to me and Kofi where we didn't play together like in a band band together. We obviously played and jammed here and there and stuff, but we'd be on festivals, but we didn't play together for like 11, 12 years and then yeah. got back together later, you know, older and, and wiser well, they, and yeah. better and. And, uh, it's kind of interesting the way that they put it during during this, and not to ruin it for anybody, but I I thought about that was an interesting thing to think about about how you both it sets of brothers kind of you know made your way back to each yeah. other and and Super really great cool. stuff. I love their music and and it was so yet again, huh? Just people at that frequency. Chris hit it the nail on the head. I mean, it's like, were yeah. you in here this morning? Do you know <laughs> you're hanging out in my episode. brain? It's yeah, thank you everybody episode. for listening and enjoy it and uh happy holidays. Check out the Wood Brothers if they're coming to your town and uh we'll see you soon. Stay safe. So you guys just started a tour. Uh, we're kind of halfway into a 2 week run. So yeah. And you go back out after that. Is this the last for the year? Last for the year, yeah. All right. Then you get to go be home with family. Yeah. Yeah, we've been on and off since June, kind of when we started back, you know, after the pandemic and um, did a bunch of outdoor stuff and festivals during the summer and then dove into the indoor shows for the fall. How yeah. was that like on your psyche? <laughs> Mixed feelings. Mixed. I mean, amazing. And on the one hand, like we missed it, but um, strange, you know, also just after being so careful and so sealed in a bubble for the whole pandemic to all of a sudden be in rooms filled with people who most places aren't wearing masks much. And, uh, you know, it was a bit of a whiplash feeling. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people that do care, they genuinely care. But then when they're back out, the exuberance of being back out and alcohol. <laughs> it all goes and away. alcohol. The mask, the mask comes off. off. 
Yeah. 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 It's just human nature to, to just feel good. <laughs> well, and when, and especially when live music or whatever is like your safe place without yeah. a pandemic, when you're there with people and you go, well, these are the people I trust totally. normally. Yeah. So totally. it's okay to be. Oh yeah. Them. And at a concert, like everybody puts their, you know, ideally they put their politics aside or whatever stuff you have differences all come together and the music is something everybody agrees on and is having fun with. So it's hard not to just dive in full. Yeah. Full bore. <laughs> Most people, I would assume, I don't know, or if I just speak for myself, you know, I feel a little damaged from the isolation of this <laughs> pandemic. So, yeah. um, God, to get together and be with a bunch of people, it's it's like it's like every cell in your body feels is like oh my god I missed this you know that feeling and so yeah wasn't you it get carried away kind of, yeah you do get carried away it's kind of funny like when you're uh, when you're going in for a hug with someone you haven't seen in a long time and you're past the point of like physics being able to fit like stop yourself and it's almost kind of like that it's like a a soft car accident you're kind of like i'm going in this is going to be dangerous or not but we're we're hugging it's terrible i mean and i think we have to acknowledge how um traumatic that is like because we want that you know we need that we need that connection we need that hug but then you feel bad about it or scared about it or weird about it in some way and it's like that's terrible yeah. humans are not <laughs> no i definitely we have got enough few... we we have enough inner conflict to deal with like it's like just a simple hug from another human being like come on that's the Especially only thing when... that's keeping me going is those little ones you know yeah yeah when uh going back to to perform in stand-up uh live once the clubs open back up we had to perform in front of plexiglass like a penalty box wow, or like really the, po- the pope mobile like and the drummer. way that the Yes, exactly. And like when the when the room was the way it was lit, you could see a distorted reflection of yourself looking uh, back uh, at you through the plexiglass. So if you bombed this weird, you know, critical, like this small kind of garbage pail kid looking version of you is looking back at me going like, you suck. Like wow. it was just so like a visual. Uh, you never want to see yourself doing stand up. I mean, doing stand up alone just sounds terrifying i have so much respect for anybody who can do that and i mean and you know i mean as musicians of course we deal with self-consciousness and all that all that kind of mind screw kind of stuff that we do to ourselves but yeah man you're up there all by yourself and then to have yourself staring back at yourself i can't imagine that's terrible that's a cruel (laughs) it was cruel joke (laughs) Especially for his his personality <laughs> type, it's like tailor made yeah. hell for, for me. I know totally. It's the last thing I want to do is see me, but uh, it was like you said. I guess we have to adapt and react. That's you know? like That's when, like you know, us. when when you do. I mean, Oteil, you know this. Like you do big shows where there's a big screen, and you happen to look up, and like the camera is focused on you, and there you are, like fifty feet tall on some screen. I, look away you gotta, quick you look away you got to really keep it together it's like okay don't start like um <laughs> feedback looping in your brain you know like oh shit oh shit oh shit oh shit oh shit oh it's so yeah. funny man yeah. that's the worst actually because there's a delay and your fingers <laughs> yeah. my fingers are ah! yeah. <laughs> so let me ask you guys i've i always associate you chris with new york and you oliver with Atlanta, where are you guys originally from? Well, 
we were both born in Pasadena, California, in Los oh. Angeles area. And uh, we moved to Colorado when I was 10 and Chris was six or so. so, so. Um, wow. my, our, our dad, who is a great and was a great uh, folk musician, uh, guitar player wow. and singer, uh, wow. interesting topic in itself. Um, but he was... Um, I trade a, a biology professor, a college biology professor. So, so he got a job um, at uh, University of Colorado in Boulder. So we moved to Boulder in the mid late seventies, and really both of us, our formative, I think, memories are are from there, from Boulder, Colorado. Yeah, that's great. Because when I caught up with Chris, you know, I was like early nineties with MMW. I think the first time I remember <laughs> was at Planet Earth. In uh, Knoxville, Tennessee, with Chuck Burnley, back then, and then, but Oliver, I think your what is your Atlanta timeline? Because I feel like I was gone when you came. Mm, no, it was about the same. In fact, it was it was similar. In fact, I'll tell you, I remember my roommate and I, I used to go see you and your brother with Chip and and Jack Lange and and uh, Alfreda. Alfreda. Whoa, you saw Zeta Rose. We saw Zeta Rose, and then you and I used to teach lessons at the same uh, guitar store for just a, <laughs> for a few minutes. Um, but I think the most time that we spent together, Otia, was I was on tour with Tinsley Ellis while you and, yeah. and we did a couple tours with uh, the Rescue Unit. <sighs> I so, do remember. Oh my God! Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so I think that's maybe when we spent that's the most fine. time together. So, yeah. So that's I, a that long was my time most. Ago. That was also my most alcohol-soaked period in life. But um, <laughs> for sure, I was pickled. Then, but that's right, Tinsley Ellis, because that's what I was kind of getting to. You know the the connection that we all have to Colonel Bruce. Because Colonel Bruce turned me on to MMW. And Tinsley Ellis. Right. So that's really wow. how I met both of you guys. Right. Yeah. Didn't the colonel marry you or something like that, Oliver? He did, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Please tell me what brought you to do that. I don't know. I was just kind of, <laughs> I just, first of all, I was free. So that was good. <laughs> uh, Memorable. I bet he <laughs> led with that too. I'll do it. It'll be free. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, it's one of those, you know, it was one of those things where I knew it was going to be either really kooky or completely unremarkable <laughs> and uh aside from him eating just about all of the chicken that was available uh to the whole place um it was pretty unremarkable he had a he held a mic and he read our vows and there's a little bit of feedback and stuff and it was it was perfect <laughs> i wouldn't change a thing but it wasn't like you know something astonishing happened or anything so uh, i think i think the most incredible thing about Bruce is that for someone like me that knows him, like if it's unremarkable, it's just as great because the threat of something happening is so great that you're like, and then when it's over, you're like, wow, you still get the whole ride. Yeah. And it's and it's bad when something happens and you're not expecting it. My my wife and I hired an, an efficient to do our wedding and she met with us and she said, where'd you guys meet? And we said, we met online, but that doesn't matter. Like, we don't want that to be a part of the, the ceremony because we lied to all of our family members and friends about how we met. It was a little inside joke where we would tell everyone a different story of how we met. 
And then during the ceremony, the the officiant goes, you know, after a long wait to find love, they both decided to go online and fill out a dating profile. And on the video, you hear me go, fuck. (laughs) And my whole family realizes we just lied to them the whole time. So the whole ceremony was just like us backtracking. Uh, Awkward. (laughs) If you're a a comedian, you get a total pass. I kind of looked at him like, gotcha, you know, whatever. But boy, it was embarrassing. Oh, man, that's funny. (laughs) It's like if Andy Kaufman marries you, like if nothing happens, you're still going to get the... Totally. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So who was the other... Oh, go Go ahead, Mike. Oh, no, no. I just wanted to actually, I, I don't want to, to backtrack, but I'm interested in the fact that you guys lived in Colorado before Colorado was Colorado. You know what I mean? Like you were, what was it, like your, your memories of Boulder before it was like this Mecca? I think Colorado wasn't so like like jam-packed then, right? In the, oh, you it was guys very were different. There. I mean, that was back when, uh, I mean, I was just remember you know, it was just as a when in high school and you first learn how to drive and you're a girlfriend or something, and you like drive up um, onto the flat iron somewhere where you have a nice look and you see Denver way off in the distance. And in between Boulder and Denver was nothing like at night. It was black. Right. Wow. There's nothing there. And so it is. Yeah. And now it's all connected by strip malls and subdivisions and everything. So yeah. it's it's incredible to see that, um, that kind of growth. I mean, it's so explosive and, um, but yeah. And the music scene obviously is, is unbelievable there and the support that people have. And, uh, I, I, I don't understand all of it. I'm sure legalizing, you know, (laughs) weed there had something to do with the economy and the influx of that kind of scene. And, um, but, uh, but and then, you know, amazing uh, produced um, promoters there like Don Strasberg and, you know, people are just putting so much energy and putting on so much great music. And yeah, it was nothing yeah. like that. God, when we were kids, it was just. Yeah. Plus, we didn't go. I mean, it's not like we went to nightclubs when we were kids. I mean, we, we pretty much left when we got out of high school. So it's not like we went out and saw shows. I, yeah. I do remember. um our dad would take us sometimes to go see things. And I remember actually Hot Rise, the fantastic bluegrass oh, yeah. band, mm-hmm. they were out of there. That's where they were based. And so um, we used to go see them sometimes, which is cool because we're still friends with those people yeah. today. Oh, cool. You know, What's the guy, so, Tim? Tim, yeah, Tim, the, O'Brien. Tim O'Brien. The bass player, right? Oh, no, that's... Um, or, what is he? Is he guitar? Uh, that's... Uh, uh, I, I always see Tim when we play Boulder because he has that that big facility there. Yeah, but it's well, that's not Tim. that's not Tim. That's the that's the bass player. And now you've made me forget his name too. Uh, his <laughs> wife is Helen. His wife is. Yeah, Helen. So I'm sorry. I please shoot me, but I'm but sure. Yeah. Eric but anyway, that, that was the guy. He's the one who does E Town. E Town, yeah. exactly. Yeah, Nick, really Nick, sweet guy. Nick Forster. Nick Forster. Forster. Thank you. It's early. We just we're on tour. We just woke up. <laughs> That's right. Sorry. We're musicians. Totally acceptable. Sorry, it's Nick. Good. This is disclaimer. Perfectly imperfect. Yeah. The it, it is, is just kicking in. <laughs> but it is funny. Like Colorado's a place where, and I've mentioned this to Otiel in the past, where it's like when you look out over, like let's say Stapleton or an area like North Denver, and you see the world's biggest Bass Pro Shop and the world's biggest famous footwear and all that, and you're like, this was just rolling hills and forest, yeah. not that long ago. Yeah. And I feel like sometimes on the East Coast, where most stuff is buildings and there's a lot of light pollution and all that, it's hard. To, you maybe forget. Yeah. But when you go out in such a vast expanse, it's like. 
wow, wasn't that long ago that this was all natural yeah. here. Yeah. It's wild. Yeah, and it was, I mean, yeah, no forests out there. I mean, it was all just the open plains and uh, plains, desert. But it, yeah, I, I mean, I know for myself, I couldn't wait to get out of there. I was, you know, uh, <laughs> really ambitious young little music nerd who wanted to get out into the world and start a career. And um, I couldn't wait to get out and go to the East Coast and. Yeah. You know, no matter where you are, it's like that. Like, it's such a paradise here where we're living. I'm like, my kids are going to be so psyched to get out of here. Like, right. you know, that's familiarity breeds contempt and maybe rightfully so. I don't know. But yeah. let me, I do want to talk about your dad though, because I always, uh, I love you guys singing and hearing you the first time I heard Wood Brothers together and I heard you singing together, I was like, oh, so. When you say your dad was a folk singer, I'm like, you said that's a whole nother conversation. Let's have that conversation. I want to know about what <laughs> he, went into he was in you guys' that, formation. Um, I mean, if you're like, you know, know anything about sort of the folk scene history, and I'm no expert, but I just, there's that Cambridge, Massachusetts folk scene in the late 50s that was, you know, kind of a hotbed of, of that kind of culture, that kind of music. Um, and so our dad was at Harvard and he had a radio show uh at harvard and he had a band um called the raunch hands it was sort of like <laughs> it was like ranch this, hands well raunch it was the raunch the hands it was like tongue-in-cheek you know yeah uh but they had like a little record deal and um and then a young joan baez would come and my dad would do shows with with her uh before she blew up he know? recorded with her too he's on her first couple records nice wow. So, yeah, so he was really, really in that scene. And I think um, sort of coming from such a, such a ac academic kind of family. So I think uh, he couldn't bring himself to actually fully choose the music career. But I think part of him wanted to. I mean, and now he's retired, but that's all he does is music nice. and write songs. And, you know, it's, it was a passion the whole time for sure. And we grew up witnessing him playing and singing every time there was a family gathering or, you know, any kind of occasion where he could have, have a glass of wine and, you know, get the guitar out. And it's just, he's one of those guys that just knew so many songs, you know, just had, wow. had a great memory for, for music and for songs. And yeah. he actually, um, when he was in high school, he grew up in St. Louis and he, he went to high school with John Hartford and wow. uh, was in a band with John Hartford. And then, yeah, like wow. Chris said, the, that whole Cambridge scene was kind of the other scene besides Greenwich Village, um, yeah. you know, mm. when the folk implosion, as Bruce used to call it, um, was happening. <laughs> and uh, so, he, so, yeah, but he has um, he has that whole uh, uh, repertoire in his head of all the songs that all those people were playing from Harry Belafonte to to lead belly to um wow. you know even hank williams tunes like he knows yeah. tons of that stuff and the dylan i mean when i first yeah. heard the first dylan record <clears throat> i was like oh our dad would sing that one and that one and that one you know it was yeah. a bunch of standard tunes on that record that's like yeah. oh those were just like <laughs> standards in that scene right everybody yeah. did those and it made yeah. me realize like that's oh our it. dad was kind of a little bit part of that i mean especially singing with joan baez and uh, do you it guys is, play with him? Because, you know, my kids are young, three and six. I don't push it at all. And Nigel especially doesn't like it if I show him something, like his right. piano teacher could show right. 
So I'm very like not trying to get my hopes up, but man, if I could play with them one day, I would just lose it. Do you guys like play with your dad now? A, a little bit, right? We 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 kind of are a little sad we waited so long. Um, but yeah. like in the last few years, like when we play in Boulder, he'll come sit in and we'll get around a big mic and and uh, it's pretty great. And he's got Parkinson's now and he's got arthritis oh. and he's it's oh. and he's well into his eighties, so it's it's a little harder. Yeah. But he's still yeah. pretty sharp. And um, yeah, I wish we had done more and and especially recorded more. But we we do yeah. have a little window of time where we recorded and and played together that's awesome he's still writing songs and he has sent me a new song just like that's great yeah my parents are in there my mom's 85 and my dad's 90 and they don't play but it, it, even if they did it's like past that time to yeah, you, know, it, I'm, it, you know but you it's know, cool i'm gonna hopefully i'll get to do it with my kids it's kind of neat you'll be able and, to just you know just make sure you know how to use logic because your kids are eventually going to get into that if they're into I'm, music at all. I'm trying to now. Logic is old, and I have to learn Ableton. I'm like, oh my god, I don't. I know. know. I got to learn all that stuff. That's how. That's how you jam with your kids. Is you as you learn like Ableton and Logic, and you like make beats together. Well, I do have a drum kit right there, and that's that's how I trick them. Is like right. I'll learn songs that they like, uh, right. or the drums just kind of attract them. Which also, I need to show you something. It's out of focus, but you see that piece of red tape next to the bass? Uh, a, that's a drum case. Like right over the mic stand, there's a little strip. Oh, of oh red. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a drum case. That red tape says Wood Brothers. This drum yeah. kit was given to me by Falcon. It's the one oh, shit. that was on Zach Brown's truck right? Uh, that he was using when he played with you guys. Wow. And he gave me that kit. It's sitting right. And that's what Nigel and, and Kavi both play. That's so we awesome. have some little jam sessions in here. I'll play, I'll put on their favorite songs and then play drums to it and have a dance party. That's cool. And then they want to You just got to put on it on that. YouTube and then they'll learn from you. <laughs> then it'll be cool. <laughs> yeah, it's, not you it's not you in person. You should go like, yo, check this dude out. He's pretty good. <laughs> it's that's you. Awesome. Hi, Nigel. This is how you play it. <laughs> <laughs> so you know what, I think I'll go ahead. No, I was going to say, you know what I think is so neat about like, we're only a couple minutes into the conversation and it's Sacramento uh, or it's California, Colorado. Uh, your yeah. dad was at Harvard, Atlanta, New York. Yeah. Like you guys have had such an itinerant, like there, there was no familiarity breeds content. It was, you've been all over from early on, which is so important. I think from an art, like an artist standpoint is that you're not you hear all these facts about how many people die within like 15 miles of the place they were born mm -hmm. and never leave it. Yeah. And it is pretty awesome when it's like, you yeah. think and then, about, and if you're, if you're a touring musician for long enough, you start to envy those people. You're like, it must be something right. about that. Like to really feel like you have a home, like a real home. Like I've yeah. lost that feeling. I remember realizing like, I feel more at home on the road. Like, uh Oh, What's home? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. You look at the crowd sometimes and you're like, you you lucky bastards get to sleep in your own bed. Yeah. Well, I like, never felt I never felt at home like as an adult, you know, until like the last six uh last probably the last ten years, ten or fifteen yeah. since I met my wife. But I was like, it was like my whole life was just traveling and I would get at home and feel lost. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Even in my first marriage, you know, I was always like going back out again, you know, it's like, yeah. I ever got like comfortable. I finally like made 
like I got to that place where, and it's just a balance. I know That's if great. I had Congratulations. that life, yeah. it is a balance. <laughs> it is a balance because you got to get out there in the world, but it's good to have a home base that feels, feels that way. Yeah. yeah. But the career that. pulls you to be very unbalanced. The it road sure. goes on forever and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. man. And like, I will yeah. say, I mean, the, the pandemic year and a half, I got really comfy at home to where it was more shocking to go on tour. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, just mm-hmm. the being away from home part, you know, was was hard. Yeah, going to bed early was In like balance. a treat. Yeah. Like, oh, wow, this is how people did it. I yeah. love it. And I think that's part of this. You hear about all the, the great resignation, they call it, where everybody's quitting. I mean, even people that weren't on the road uh, through the pandemic learn to value their time more than money apparently because <laughs> yeah. they're about ba- they're rebalancing they're like nah man nah yeah. and it's so there's such a huge pull that just you know embrace the hustle just yeah. constant you know yeah. uh what did gary goldman we interviewed this comedian yesterday and he said you know um it's okay for my art to suffer for me for once instead of me suffering for my art to get my head back together to get some new ideas like just take a he just stopped i like yeah. that when everything mm-hmm. in him was like like don't stop, you can't stop right right and i thought wow that's cool my art can suffer for me a little that is cool yeah about. yeah you have to like learn to value all those different things in your life martin i heard this great interview with martin short and he had this way he had this whole number system worked out and I, I can't even remember all the subjects, but it was like career, friendship, family, physical health. He had like nine of them. And then you could rate each one. And so like, okay, well, right now my career's in the toilet, but I'm feeling really good. And my connection, <sighs> my family's awesome. And so yeah. overall I'm scoring at like a high yeah. B plus, you know? Wow. <laughs> I got to so check that out. Yeah, it's it's that's pretty amazing. cool. Actually, it's really, I wrote it down somewhere. It's like, I got to use this to like cool. give myself perspective when I'm feeling you know, microscoping one thing too much yeah. and got to see the bigger picture. And please send that to us through email <laughs> yeah. or something. Cause I would like to put that up. That is I mean, that's what we need. Man. Just on we our need that. It's yeah. on uh, it was like a, you know, one of those interviews It's either the Conan, Conan, Brian needs a friend interview or the oh, smart okay. list. I think it was with Conan or, or it might've been smart list. You know, that one, with Jason Bateman, uh-huh. Will Arnett, and yeah, uh, it's great. Sean Hayes, great, great podcast. And they interview. Anyways, it's it's from I'm that. Write that down. And, you know, that's important because there's a lot of, you know, uh, the, the mental health uh, arm of things definitely kind of became more in the mainstream and more prevalent during all this. But anybody who's in a self-criticizing, like you said, like if you fall into one, when you focus on one thing, the other eight things that are maybe going fantastic don't seem... Like they're yeah. even there because yeah. you get this yeah. kind of like, you your know, critic ignores, conveniently ignores all of those. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> it's really wild. But yeah. I mean, be, being, uh, being brothers and being out together and being able to like, does that lend some sense of kind of home on the road? Like you guys are kind of able to, you've always been pretty tight and uh, had like a great relationship working wise. And otherwise you hang out and stuff. You hear a lot of people go on the road and they're like, yeah, I'll see you later. And one guy goes to one room, one goes to the other, but 
Well, it's not like tight. the Black Crows, right? <laughs> but <laughs> I guess that's what. No, it's nothing. It's nothing like that. I mean, really, you know what? Chris and I, when we in those early days, when Chris moved to New York and I moved to Atlanta, um, and we were involved in completely different music scenes, and we actually really grew apart, like because we were just, you know, finding our way in this new and these these new paths, and um, so really after 10, 12 years of that it was the music and putting the wood brothers together is kind of what brought us together as brothers again because we were uh you know we we realized wow we both do this we both gotten pretty good at it we both kind of established our identities as humans as, as grown-ups and as musicians let's join forces and it was really exciting and it was the way that we could connect and reconnect as brothers yeah. so uh, I was, it's exactly me and Kofi's story. Yeah. Like 11, 12 years apart. We lived in Atlanta. Yeah. But when I met Colonel Bruce, he kind of went out on the RMBC and then we eventually pulled him into our orbit. He got yeah. pulled in with Derek Trucks Band. He's yeah. with Derek Trucks Band for 15 years. So I played with him. I would see him on festivals. We'd sit in or what, but yeah. we didn't like play in a band together <clears throat> for yeah. like a really long time yeah. until TTB started. Yeah. And uh, so I was so glad to see you guys come together. And especially now that he's gone, like all the brothers I know out there have yeah. a super duper special place in my heart. And uh, yeah, I can yeah, it's, yeah, it's great to be as adults to come back together as adults. Like when you yeah. figured more of yourselves out and <laughs> yeah, yeah and you, you have that shared history and, and, you know, baggage from your parents that you can <laughs> that you can process and hmm. that's good yeah and you've also you know like i mean you, people talk a lot about brothers bands and all the fighting and all that stuff and and all those stories usually stem from brothers who got together at a very young age and worked together <laughs> at a young age right they haven't been they hadn't got their point. asses kicked they haven't been humbled yet they don't you know like the egos are still yeah. fresh and robust and like ready to do stupid hurtful things and you know so if enough time goes by and you you um are seasoned as we like to say that really is just a euphemism for having your ass completely kicked and humbled <laughs> yeah. and um you know so that you just are more grateful for anything that's going halfway decent yeah but you <laughs> and, still get the benefit of that natural chemistry yeah that can cannot be gotten anywhere else totally right? well that's and yeah. that was what was amazing i think you know i mean we've told this story a lot before but when oliver um was in the uh band king johnson in atlanta and yeah uh so i don't know back in i can't even remember the year 2001 or two or something but um there was a double bill where Modesky, martin and wood and king johnson were playing together and um and oliver sat in with mmw and you know with with mmw you know i felt that chemistry right that we had that connection yeah. Yeah. from the beginning but also because we've been playing together for so long at that point and um but oliver sat in and it was just instantly there and that was that was like a light bulb moment where it's like oh wow right that's right we're, <laughs> we're related and we to the point where we even uh our intuition about music there's something yeah. similar there that connects mm -hmm. us yeah that was so amazing and and then uh, it was kind of the seed that um grew this idea like okay we got to do something together yeah. we have no idea what it is but something uh, yeah that's awesome you know 
So that, that's how it started, really. And then it was like, well, what do we do? I, you know, I knew I didn't, I, I wanted to do, Oliver is such a great singer and songwriter. And, and so it's like, okay, uh, we're obviously going to do something based on that. And I have a love for that music too. It's just, I happened to end up with this weird avant funk jazz trio thing yeah. <laughs> that nobody can describe, you know, but that, but the, what was interesting is that the influences for MMW and the influences that like Oliver had and King Johnson had were like 90 to 95% yeah. the exact same influences. It's just, yeah. they oh. manifested themselves so differently because the different scenes we were in, like I was with MMW in New York, downtown, crazy new music scene. And, you know, where jazz meets R and B and, you know, so punk good. and rock yeah. and punk and, you know, all these things just get blended together, but it was all the same music that like Oliver loved. We're both, we're all freaks about Ray Charles and Sly Stone and James Brown and Charles Mingus. And, you know, yeah. so, but it was just the different manifestations of those scenes. So it was, it was actually really natural to come together. And even though the, the music, the end result is very different than MMW, but the, the, the impulse is all there, just the feeling. Well, and, and it's interesting too, like you talk about like you guys going out, getting your asses beat and then crawling back at like, brother, let's do this. But also what's cool is like you go, hey, check out all this, the the figurative and literal stickers on my suitcase. Look at what New York taught me. Yeah. Look at what playing at 3 a.m. in the West Village. And then you're like, check out what Atlanta taught me. And now exactly. the sound of the two of you together. Absolutely. Extremely unique. Yeah. It's exactly. so great. I love it's the blending. Extremely unique. And there's moments that like, Chris, I'll hear a, a moment of you in a song, in one of your guys' songs where it's like, there's certain moments in MMW that I, being a New Yorker and kind of working the late night running around the city and stuff, like you guys somehow encapsulated the sound of New York City. Mm. Like being in a cab that's passing another cab, like you could somehow hit that on the guitar, on the bass or, or I could hear it with Billy. And when hearing you guys together, there are notes of that that I hear in your songs where it's like you're throwing a little northeast, right, a little, yeah. little, little spunk into a song that otherwise would be more maybe laid back, more, you know, more folk. And I, I right. love that. You guys brought together. It's like two like rams hitting heads. It's great. <laughs> that's like, yeah, that's a good description. I mean, that's exactly uh, I mean, how I was thinking of it, thinking of it anyways, you know, I always had this like oversimplified fantasy version of it. It's like, what if Charles Mingus and Robert Johnson started a band together? Like, <laughs> yeah, what would that be like? You know, that's like the North meets the South and the jazz meets the blues. And but they're both funky and, you know, like, yeah, and soulful. Uh, Super. And, and how would that blend into some new kind of magical sauce? And you guys do it. I was listening to your solo record, Oliver. The other day, while I was cleaning out this room, trying to get it to look like this. It's good cleaning music. And, uh, <laughs> it's good cleaning music. <laughs> and it was That's so important. cool because uh, so many times, I it just, you know, you have a moment that just stops you. And I just remembered you evoked Alabama and Georgia and Tennessee for me. Mm. And I just got that super, it's like a smell, mm. you know, where you smell something, it brings back a really old memory. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it was cool because like Boca Raton, Florida, while south of Georgia, is not really like the south. Yeah. <laughs> so I still feel like, uh, yeah, it's great how you guys put that together. What was, um, how did the solo stuff come about? Was it like 
pandemic stuff you had oh, yeah. left over it's, that didn't get used or was just, it just uh tons of free time and access to a cool studio we the wood brothers um, we have we we co-rented a building with a buddy who's an engineer and so we actually have our own uh playhouse and the awesome nice. studio so and i live really close to it and we had nothing going on for a year so it was really just free time and and something to do <laughs> Wow, you make good use of it, man. Hey there, Osiris listeners. I wanted to tell you about our friends over at SmartWool. For more than 25 years, SmartWool has been making merino wool socks and apparel designed to keep you comfortable. Because they want to help you play, laugh, and explore in the outdoors with every thread they knit and every step you take. Because they believe that comfort sharpens focus and lets you perform beyond your limits. They are here to help you feel good. Now, it's up to you how far you will go. Take 15% off of your first order at smartwool.com. Smartwool. Go far, feel good. What's up, everyone? I'm Mike. And I'm O'Teal. And these are our Sunset Lake CBD gummies that are almost gone. Sunset Lake CBD is a farmer-owned business that ships CBD products directly from their farm to your door. For years, Sunset Lake was a Vermont dairy farm producing milk for Ben and Jerry's ice cream. In 2018, they diversified and started growing hemp for CBD. And with a product for everyone, they offer pre-rolls, hemp cigars, and hemp flowers, as well as tinctures, gummies, and CBD-crafted coffee to help with stress, aches, and pains. Sunset Lake CBD saves you money by shipping high-quality CBD products directly from their farm to your door. Want to know what I've been using a lot of, O'Teal? This salve with the arnica Uh, on my my old bones. You get back from a show and you got tore ankle, rub a little bit of this on there. You're ready to dance the next day. And you know, Sunset Lake... uh, comes a time listeners can visit sunsetlakecbd.com and use promo code time for 20% off of their purchase. That's sunsetlakecbd.com promo code time and tell them we sent you. Yeah. It was, you know, earlier in the pandemic and there was still so much paranoia about even being together in the studio. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I, I had some health issues and so I was being super careful. Like I had a stroke. Yeah. It was crazy. I ended up in wow, the hospital really? like, during the pandemic and oh my God. Right at the wow. beginning. <clears throat> so did you keep that just... out of the public uh, or did I just miss it? Uh, that's sad. I missed it. I that. mean, it was, you it. know, it was, yeah. I mean, it wasn't like announcing it or anything, but it was just, yeah, I, got you. I was just dealing with a lot of crazy stuff yeah. and, and it made me, and of course it was early in the pandemic. And so, we didn't know if it was related to COVID. Yeah. You know, there's all kinds of like looking back, I think it was a separate thing. It was a coincidence, but, but right when I had it, all this information was coming out and studies uh, like in the Cambridge journal of medicine about this connection between COVID and cardiovascular events and stroke and stuff like that. And so I, I was embolisms. Yeah. Yeah. I thought, Oh my God, I somehow got it. And now I'm in a hospital in the COVID ward with the, all the, you know, so I was, it was a, anyways, <laughs> yeah. Heavy. but yeah. as a result, you know, I was being really careful. And so we weren't hanging out, you know, like yeah. it could, I, I was so jealous of all these other bands who like had all this incredible, fruitful 
creative time together during the pandemic and did all this songwriting and and I was in the middle of that and and about to make a big move. I, I now live up in British Columbia. And so I was moving from anyways, I was like, my life was yeah. sort of in turmoil at that point. And so yeah. Oliver was had this very settled pandemic and and had a lot of downtime to to be creative, I feel. And I was kind of like just yeah. swimming so upstream is... to find some kind of stability. Yeah, you, you, <laughs> had, a, you had a lot going on. That's so interesting because I, I think that that this dynamic, this COVID dynamic, right? The the two people who before the virus could have had a completely different relationship or friendship or whatever, yeah. and then they differently go through it yeah. in what in however it was presented to us, we had to deal with it, right? Yeah. And then you come out the other end and you're different people. Now that, and I don't mean you two in particular, but I mean like some folks are like, you look at that other person and you're kind of like, wow, you're not who I thought you were. And I'm not who I thought I was. And we're just all different now. And yeah. that's, that's hard. And that's the part that even in the beginning of our conversation, you said like, we all need to like, it's going to be a long time yeah. from now until we fully process like what yeah. the hell we're all going through right Huge now. I have PTSD trauma. from it. Huge. I definitely Absolutely. have, you know, low Huge level. Trauma. I'm not. Absolutely. No, I and, and, Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say it makes me worry about our kids a little bit. Uh, although I feel like they're probably way more resilient than we are. They absolutely um, are, I think. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it sounds like we, we all have kids that are different ages. My, um, Chris and I both have a 19 year old and then I also have a 13 year old. So um, and then O'Teal, your kids are young and um, and I don't know about you, Mike, but it's like, I just I feel like they um the kids are experiencing already without uh, the pandemic, such a different childhood than we were as far as yeah. the internet and just the, the way everyday life is so much different. Um, but then throw that all in there. I just wonder what it's I, I, not so much what's already happened, but what's coming in the future for the kids. I keep thinking about that. Like, how is it going to be? Yeah. I hope, I hope it gets better for them. You know, <laughs> I tell them, I, I, I tell think... them, go ahead, sir. Now, I just was going to say, I tell myself that at least <laughs> when they're older and they're like, can, we can actually consciously have this talk, I, I can go, I tried to give you a life where you can remember when Earth was still cool <laughs> before it all went to shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, at before least you have hot. memories. Yeah, yeah before hot. like it's 12 inches of snow in Hawaii and, uh, you know, yeah. fires in Maine. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that the pandemic, it's really uh you know everyone went into their little own personal zone and depending on their circumstances before the pandemic experienced something completely different yeah you know some people who were had a stable family life had a home that they owned had some money saved could actually you know take a fresh look at their lives not feel stressed out about how to like make the next paycheck uh, and then God, I mean, single people versus yeah. people who are in a good relationship, you know, yeah. mind blowingly different experiences. Yeah. I mean, and I, I think like, we're yeah. not even close to the point where we've come out the other side of it yet to, to reckon with how different everyone experienced this thing yeah. and appreciate how different everyone experienced this thing. Yeah. Even to the point of there were some people who got 
a, a, a slight case of COVID in the beginning, had sniffles and a cough, and they go, eh, this thing's not a big deal. And my wife's yeah. working in the intensive care unit, literally seeing the worst of the worst. Yeah. And I, from one side, you have a friend going like, yeah, it's just, it's a, it's like a hangover. Don't worry about it. And then she's like, burn all, anything you wore outside. Cause it's yeah. everywhere and it's around us. And yeah. it's all this information's coming from a hundred different places. And it's like, th- there comes a point where you just kind of like saying, I don't know, was like the most honest and somehow like respectful thing to say, Yeah, because yeah. it's like, I'm, I don't want to tell you your experience was wrong. Yeah. But we I'm seeing know. from the other side that it's totally not the, always the case, and that that that's what made it so polar. And then, and then throw on no top wonder, of it. Yeah, no wonder there's such a disconnect between people these days. Beyond all the other factors we hear about in the news every day, but just the fact that everyone basically isolated themselves and had a completely different experience. It's like yeah. we haven't got we haven't got to the healing yet, where we get to understand what each other went through. You know? yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's I'm like, still I, going through. Uh, Text going off telling me that another person committed suicide. Like literally, uh, it's like a regular. Well, like thing. you said, Chris, just like man, yeah. people it all are depends on up. It all depends on where you were before it started. Think yeah, about then you think support? think about yeah. how many in your your experience of New York City artists, right? That a musician or a comic or a writer that like just like moves to to New York and gets a windowless apartment in Brooklyn just to start their dream. Yeah. Those people went through the pandemic in a way where like they sat uh, in a windowless on yeah. hold with unemployment yeah. for weeks and yeah. days. I know people who are just like, I don't know what the hell to do. I can't go home because I don't want to kill my family. Yeah. <laughs> I bet so I a friend down here has left. I mean, I saw a lot of people leave LA, leave New York, leave oh, yeah. where they yeah. were at, which I thought was good. Like, Move off of move, do something for yourself. Yeah, don't sit there and just like you know. But you know, my buddy Brad Miller, it's really young guy. Was Brad twenty seven? Plays fifty five bar all the time in that crowd, Mm -hmm. and just got there. It was like things were going good. Mm -hmm. Blam! It's got to come. He's actually from here in Florida, in Boca Raton, where I live. So we hooked up through a friend. They gave us a number, but watching him go through all that and like, are you going to move back yet? And, you know, it's just like, it's, it was so heartbreaking to see people that young that yeah, like their yeah. dream just started. And then yeah. Wah, just, yeah, yeah. man, yeah. And there's that level of working start, not starving artist, but like going up. And and things are finally starting to like get to a, a level where you're like, okay, I have regular work booked six to eight months out, ten months out, whatever. And then that stuff all closes, and those clubs close, and those gigs get canceled. And then you kind of like, when it all, you come out the other end, you're like, where do I fit in this thing? Yeah. You know, like how's and where it was been I? for you guys coming back? Like, has it been a slower start? It was a real slow build for me. At first, I only went out trio and. You know, was playing for a lot less. <laughs> yeah, people and money. You know, like oh, how's yeah. it going out there? Yeah, I mean, it feels like we kind of did ease into it starting in June, and we definitely were just doing outdoor thing, and all the people were in pods, and it felt a little, uh, a little wimpy, but you know, better than nothing kind of feeling. But um, 
Yeah, I don't know. It's, I mean, we, we more or less jumped in, though. We just, I mean, because yeah. we were, we just jumped in with our whole production and our crew and the bus and 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 just went for it. Because, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. at a certain point, you know, I don't know. Like, I guess we could have tried to jump in a van and like go way old school. But, it, it, but it, it's been a, yes, it's been spotty, you know, like, yeah, it, it, it kind of it's no surprise really but the different parts of the country you have very different experiences um <laughs> wow, in terms of yeah. like people's <laughs> comfort level uh yeah. with with the, well here's the thing that's so crazy about it right i mean no matter what you do you're wrong to somebody <laughs> yeah. right that's so right. if yeah. we had you know so so this has been this incredible balancing act is, is coming back as a touring act and all touring acts are gonna this is like an old conversation and boring and five and out but but for people who don't realize it you know like to get back on the road you have to make decisions like are we gonna are we gonna get in a bubble are we gonna get yeah. tested are we gonna make people who come to the shows get tested or not are we going to mm-hmm. try to you know and it's not all just the band's decision i mean promoters yep. are making these decisions yep. club owners you know so there's so complicated and and everyone trying to work together and come out with some standard right and everyone's making different choices if we decided you know what let's just make it a free-for-all and not have to deal with people getting vaccinated and not telling people what some people would be furious. They're like, well, I'm yep. not going to come to a show because I don't feel safe. Okay, so let's put some rules in place to make sure that, you know, people at least are vaccinated or tested. Then a whole nother group of people are going to be furious because they feel like you're telling them what to do. So it's a lose-lose situation. And they'll also, they'll also figure out a way around it. So if even if right. you, you say, okay, everybody's going to get vaxxed, you're still standing next to people. That aren't because they figured out a way around it. Like so, you know. it's it's a it's sort of this impossible situation um, where you're trying to figure out what, what the right thing to do is, not just for yourself, but for you know for everyone as as just like as a society, like yeah. what's the best thing to do? And I know yeah. some bands are choosing to just treat it like that person who got COVID and was mild and no big deal, and yeah. like you know what, we're not even going to test, we're not going to ask people to do anything. They don't even, if they're unvaccinated, fine, come to the show. There's there's that approach. And some people yeah. are doing that and just slogging through it. Um, yeah. And then it's other f- people are, you know, trying to like Im- impose some protocols and try to make it safer for everyone. Yeah. But, there's no perfect. Uh, there's no, <laughs> no. And, there's and, no perfect way to do it. And Never meanwhile, <clears throat> every every day you wake up and you see another tour is being cut short. Yeah because a band member got it. Yeah. And then and then people don't think about the staff at these venues that yeah. are going home yeah, to maybe so, six but sometimes the or, staff ain't thinking about the staff. Yeah. Yeah. We played a bunch of places where the staff refused to get vaccinated. Right. Right. What do you do then when they don't care, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Well, and, we didn't play a bunch of places, but you know, and and as you know, uh, to get a tour out in the road is is a very expensive thing i mean yeah <laughs> you know, there's so a lot of planning involved the gear and the crew and the bus and so to have a tour canceled in the middle um is, is a lot really of people. expensive and we're yeah. already financially crippled from the pandemic right and uh in in this industry many yeah. industries of course but just to, you right. know since we're talking about this obviously so hard, the, yeah. the idea of your tour getting canceled <clears throat> like and you're depending on that money to just get things up and running again, just get the machine going again. 
it's devastating. And so it becomes very emotional. Like if you feel unsafe in a situation, it's because, hey, this is not just me. It's like this whole tour could get canceled. Yeah. And and that affects my crew. It affects my manager. It affects everybody connected everybody. with the organization yeah. who's going to get paid because we're doing a show. Yeah. yeah. So it's not just us, right? And uh, yeah, you got to think of it. And it's it's so it's so huge. Just knowing like that booking agents have had like the worst time. Those oh, poor booking miserable. agents. Who, you know, think about that. Um, and of course, venues that have folded or gone under or been bought yeah. up by larger corporate entities or whatever it's just all uh, it's all connected and it's huge you can really you can lose some sleep on it like if you if oh, you're the yeah. one who feels sick and you're or like I, we might have to cancel this tour because i've got sick and yeah that sucks for a lot of people yeah, yeah. if you get as much as a tiny headache you just start like <laughs> yeah. oh god should it's i test over. get away from me <laughs> i got a migraine on the road and they tested me <laughs> yeah. i was like i just have a headache you're like yeah. That's one, nose, you know. yep. That's one swab, of the symptoms. Swab him. Did you guys yeah, have this happen to you where one good thing about that, we, of course, huge tour. Nobody yeah. wants to be the one that gets infected, no. especially yeah. not Florida boy over here, uh, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, like the specters <laughs> hanging over all our heads. Uh -huh. um, but a good thing happened. We never, that you probably wouldn't have this anyway. You guys are so awesome, but we never had an off night. Because it was literally that thing like tonight might be the last gig. Oh yeah, right. you know, like oh John sneezed. Oh, it's the last gig. Yep, let's, <laughs> you know, let's get a good one. Oteil's cool. got a migraine. Oh, you know, and we I, we literally like it's that's everybody cool. said it's hands down the best tour we ever did. Wow. So, so cool. at least we got that. You know, that's, but that's super cool. I'm glad you said that because I I thought our last tour was one of the best ones maybe ever and i i didn't really connect it to that but uh at the last day of our tour our tour manager uh front of house guy did test positive and oh, he had wow. to split and yeah. um and it was the last day of tour though and we yeah. limped through that last day but it was a great tour but i never thought of it in those terms like you know anything it takes to make you appreciate each yeah. time yeah. you get to do this is a that is a big positive. That's well, very it cool. makes you, uh, it puts you on the edge of your seat. Yeah. And, and which is another way of saying you're paying attention. Exactly. Yeah, you're you're paying awareness. attention. And that is, as we all know, cause we've been doing this long enough. That's what makes you play good. That's what makes yeah. a good show is like simple act of paying rapt attention to what's happening around you yeah, and feeling present. gratitude about it you know like just yeah. you know, like being grateful like oh my god i get to do this instead this of fun yeah. instead of like yeah. you know you can have lots of negative thoughts too like oh the sound sucks and oh i hate this venue or you know you can go down that rabbit hole but when when something like this is happening yeah you tend to look at the the positives and yeah ot I, I can't imagine i mean i mean on the level that y'all are doing it it's even like exponentially more intense than, than it is for us. Like, you know, yeah. we, we have, we have eight people on the road. You guys have so many, I can't, just can't imagine. You do not want to be that guy. Yeah. Um, but at the 30, same time you have this, this uh, group. I mean, I really feel like it's brought our, our bubble. We are tight, man. When we're on yeah. tour together, that's a family that yeah. just sticks together, takes care of each other. And, 
Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it made me realize that, you know, when we were sitting, because our crew is really big. I bet. And I was just like, we have always had such a great crew. They're the yeah. best. And the fact that we got 31 dates, man, and nobody effed around. Like, we have a perfect record. Yeah, we were watching tour after tour yeah and so yeah. your anxiety level goes yeah. up yeah but you then just it, feel like it's a matter yeah. of time you know but we're just can... like i know somebody's gonna and then i was hearing stories i won't mention any names <laughs> of people that were being very uh cavalier yeah. with big tours and i was yeah. like wow why now hey. i remember what when i might have been that guy yeah it's just selfishness it's just seeing you know and i thought so how do I do this when there's not a pandemic, when there's not a threat of and it's a little easier just because of my age, because so many people die like, yeah. you know, before Kofi died, I've the thought occurred to me, like every time someone dies, I think about the last gig I played with them. And if O'Teal from the future could have said, this is the last gig you're ever going to play with that person. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. How would it have changed it? You would have yeah. had more rapt attention, right? Absolutely. Like, how can we bring that into when all this, well, it probably won't wear off. But if it does wear off, hopefully, yeah. how do we keep that, yeah. bringing that back yeah. up into our face? I, I think about yeah. that all the time. I think about that, that stillness that we were forced into during the pandemic and how, like, yeah, when we were with our families, we appreciated on a new level and there was a certain gratitude for each day and, and I think about that all the time as we start to get going again touring. How do you how do you hold on to that and make that normal? You know, like just make that a daily practice of being really present. Yep. And it is hard, and it, it is so well, that's, great. That's why people make religions. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know what I mean. It's a it's just yeah. a ritual. Like it yes. all goes bad, it's right? Ritual. But you make a ritual to remind yourself, like, that's hey. It. That's you yeah. just said it. The hardest thing it. about it is is remembering to do it. Yeah, that's all Chris, it is. That's Chris why. does it every day. Chris does it every day. He makes toast every morning. That's his jam. <laughs> well, jam. I mean, oh, yeah? you you have to you have to work on it, and and and, and working on it is simply another way of saying remembering that it's an option. Yeah. To, like you can either pay attention to all the crazy crap going on in your brain. Or you can pay attention to like what's happening right now, you know. It's and it's yeah. that simple choice. But That's we, oh, we, but the, our brains are so distracting that we get we usually like veer in that direction. <laughs> That's the human nature part. That's why I it's, think it's so important. Like you know, I never push religion, but I push like throwing the baby out with the bathwater because it's good to remind yourself because it is a fact that it's our human nature to forget. Yeah, and to yeah. become complacent and to become, oh, like, uh, just expect that this is going to, or else why would we start complaining about little shit, you know? Like, right. <laughs> yeah, we just, we, we have like this organ in our skull that makes up stories that are, that are, on, they're lies. Every lie. one That's is a I'm, lie. But every I tell, single I, one. Yeah, no, you're what right. What if I told right. Mike the other day, his critic was getting him. And I said, you know, my sister has a saying, the devil is a liar. Yeah. And I said, yeah. it's a shame that it got off base because it's a really convenient thing to just go, lies, all lies. All lies. Yeah. The father of lies. Just don't believe. So when the <laughs> lies come, just go, you know, lies, yeah. lies. Yeah. 
but you, it, you somehow Chris, it's a, it's we start a, believing it, you know? Yeah. It's that's, that's a thing that some, you know, some of us deal with like you're, you know, from the morning we wake up till the minute we go to bed is that, Absolutely. that, and it's, it's through certain practices or through whatever of like quieting that, yeah. like we realize that there's the, the ways to remember is a very yeah. important road to, and, and, and in listening to you guys talk about like the tours and all that. And I think about the comedy clubs in New York city that I do and how great, how grateful I am of the staff and the management and yeah. the things like that. They went out of their way to go, okay, we, we're, we we want to make an event for these people to come forget about their yeah. experience. We want to give the comics a safe route to do it. Meanwhile, we need to somehow stay safe too. And they're selfless in trying to make this happen and to take a moment and just kind of like look at them and go, wow, like you guys are creating an, a, a way for me to, to work. They're risking You're their lives me back to do my, it. Yeah. And, and sometimes gratitude, I hate saying, we need a new word for trumps as a, as a, a yeah. win. No, <laughs> let's not gratitude, let them have it. Gratitude trumps. <laughs> the fear gratitude trumps the critic and and yeah. like sometimes looking at those people and just going like thank you so much for giving me a chance to do this again yeah and, and that, that part i mean is it you know these new venues popped up out of nowhere forest hills and queens westville music bowl and new Haven, like all these great outdoor spots popped up and <laughs> and all of that yeah. and it's just every so often to take a look at the folks that are yeah and but that's you just said it too it's like in order to have gratitude you got to pay attention Yes. Otherwise, yes. You, you know, so like, I'm, I mean, just to like take it down to like a microcosm, you're on stage, all musicians know that feeling when you're starting to feel insecure about something or like, oh, am I good enough? Or what should I play next? And, and the antidote for me, which I try to work on, it's like my meditation. It's like, the only thing that cures that is just paying attention to Jono and Oliver, and what they're playing on yeah. stage. And then I realized like, oh, as long as I just listen to them, it informs me of everything I should do in the next moment. <laughs> yeah. So wow. if I stop just thinking about, stop thinking, start all, uh, you know, which is, you know, this is like a, obviously an old subject, but, but it's so simple. Uh, you know, I just listen to John and Oliver and, or if I want to sing more in tune, instead of being self-conscious about my voice, I just listen to John and Oliver. Yeah. Mm. And then somehow my body knows what to do. Or if I'm worried about playing in rhythm, I just listen to John and Oliver and somehow they Get tell the me how to play, you know? And so it's just that paying attention thing. It's so stupidly simple. Yeah. But it, but it's, that's that, a huge that's rid of so much crap. Yeah. So much crap. It's like, <laughs> that's that's a, like Bukowski said, don't try. Right. It's always come back to the podcast. <laughs> things that are super simple, but super difficult. Yeah. It always comes back. And yeah. those are, that's why we remind ourselves and make yeah. these rituals to remind ourselves of these super simple things yeah. that are difficult. Yeah. And I don't know why, but it's like, it's not complicated. Yeah. I'm sorry. yeah. But you, you know, remember, and, do you remember how uh, Colonel Bruce would say never focus, which uh, sounds which sounds um, kind of like contrary to what we're talking about. But I, I get it in, in a different way, which is, yeah, don't focus on thinking, you know, yeah. um, it's it's focusing on the wrong thing. You know, it's <clears throat> just be yeah. in that moment. Don't focus on things that are not here and now you know right, dude there's right, athletes yeah. that are paying 
coaches who are just teaching them that. Yeah. yeah. Enormous amounts of money. I talked to this guy. He was like a music lawyer guy in a, in a Birmingham, Alabama. And they took me out on the golf course. I just don't like golf. But, you know, they were talking. He's like, yeah, talk about how much thousands of dollars he was spending on his son to teach his son to not think while he's right, hitting yeah. a stroke, you know, like, <laughs> and I was like, that's so Colonel Bruce, man. Like, it, <laughs> you know, uh, if you could just be in the moment, it just be flowing in it, you know? Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, Chris, you said it, but you, the, this thing just produces a lot. Like we have a, an <laughs> organ that works against us. That's the angel <laughs> and devil thing. It's us. <laughs> we're the angel we're the devil we're the you know that that's the con that's the big conflict it's all happening right in here yeah. you know? it makes good art guys makes good art it does yeah thank god that something we get something good out yeah. of it. it makes the life of the artist a disaster but it's a <laughs> speaking of uh not to backtrack but i pulled this up when you guys said something a long time ago but just about when you're touring around in different regions of the country experience the pandemic differently i experienced yeah. that just in florida because in where i live in boca raton it's just a little blue bubble in florida right, right. okay so i well, our first gig we did was in suwanee we drove because nobody's gonna fly you know we drove up to spirit of suwanee and as soon as we had to pull over for gas it was just like oh shit nobody believes in masks. nobody and defiantly yeah. like i dare you to say something about me Right. But you know what I mean? Like the North Florida thing. I was like, I'll just, I should, don't, you can't get mad. You should have stayed home. So I got on the plane to going to Denver. It's my first gig after Den Cut Me Tours over. And I don't know if you could see it if I go up close yet because it's blurred. But right. a guy's wearing this t shirt. It's on the plane, comes by me, unmasked, unvaccinated, unapologetic, unapologetic and unafraid. And I was like, I had one more un that I wanted to say to him, but I didn't want him to shoot me. <laughs> you know? I just thought, wow. Yeah. That's the first thought I have is like, I really wish I could fly private now. <laughs> you know? It's dumb nuts down here. Is there any room in the cockpit? Yeah. So I wish you guys uh, really good luck out there and hopefully you don't run into too many of these guys <laughs> well and you're coming you're coming up in the to the northeast in uh late january early february and That's i right. plan on i plan on coming to check you guys all out right please very, do. Very please are you coming this way at all you know we just yes. were otia we just we were down in uh you know ponte Vedra and ocala and uh key oh. west we even played key, key west. west hollywood, hollywood. I was, oh man hollywood's oh, hollywood right Florida, by me yeah. I, I didn't realize that you lived in, in Boca. Yeah, I didn't we, realize we that either. Have, uh, especially yeah. since we were about to do this, we should have reached out. I didn't realize that's where you were. I didn't know where you were. Yeah. So next time we'll have to connect. You How know, long ago was it that you were there? Last week. I mean, we're we're on our way north, you know, back from there, basically. Ah, I got you. It, it, what's what I'm excited about is uh, one of the spots you're going to hit is College Street Music Bowl in New Haven, which was once the Palace Theater, which I saw – mmw at and mm -hmm. i think it was maybe after maybe in the uninvisible I, perhaps but uh the building was falling apart it was like like i had seen some shows where the shows were so loud that pieces of ceiling were coming down <laughs> in the balcony yeah, yeah. it was like an old theater and then it, it it laid dormant for like a very long time and then someone bought it resurrected it and now right. it's this gorgeous spot so i'm so excited to see 
you again there, you know, cool. a couple decades, awesome. you know, 20 something years later. And uh, well, yeah, make, so make sure to uh, reach out and, and say hello. Yeah, man. I would love to, man. Yeah. No, Please thank wear you. a mask. I'll wear two. I'll wear one for each <laughs> of you. So my so, mask hey, does wear a mask. So tell everybody about your new record, Oliver, your solo record, where we can get that. Oh, uh, it's it's uh, it's not entirely new anymore. It's a few months old, I guess, but it's it's called um, Always Smiling, and uh, it's available streaming anywhere, and it's available on vinyl, and um, it's available and, uh, at the Wood Brothers website and and my website, OliverWoodMusic.com. Excellent, you guys. And go- yeah, I, I'll drop this in here because almost as recent was our our latest wood brothers record which we dropped right before the pandemic so we barely got to tour on it so it feels like we're touring it right now it's so good that album is called kingdom in my mind i love you i love those names and your lyrics and everything man and i love both you guys i have to run myself because i've got i have to do some filming for my yeah, get some rest. You guys just checked in, so yeah. But thank <laughs> you for giving hotels. us your time and coming in so early. It's an hour it even out. earlier where those guys are. So we appreciate. <laughs> no worries, it. no worries. Thank and, you, Otios and Mike. Yeah, man, it's a pleasure. It's a fun talk. Yeah, man. Yeah. Thank and thank you guys for you know uh, the music is medicine for quite a few of us. So just That's thanks good. for everything that you guys do for all of us too. So thank you guys. No, it's That's appreciated. So all well, right, best you. of luck. All right, bye-bye, guys. Bye-bye, guys. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.